0: This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will
1: go, grow, and overcome. Welcome to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Suze McLeod here with Pastor Michael. Today, we're addressing part two. Last time we talked about, is there an appropriate tone for pastors to use when they're preaching? And Michael, Went through inappropriate. Inappropriate. Boom. Oh my goodness, that's a word. There botch. is an appropriate yes. term. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's because I like positive questions. That's right. Is there an inappropriate tone for pastors to use when they are preaching? This is part two now. So
0: I mean, it's fair to say um, we had a lot to say on part one. So if you haven't listened to that, go back to hear the last episode that really sets the context. Mm-hmm. Now, I I have uh, a list of seven kinds of pastors, and with each kind of these pastors is a tone. Yes. And some of these past, some of these tones profoundly bother me and, but I want to get to the core of everything. Um, which really simply is the, the heart. Okay. Is what we're most concerned about because the heart produces the tone. So if there is a discouraging or really unhelpful or ungodly tone, uh, it's almost always going to come out of the heart. So here is like a one-on-one on learning to preach. Uh, it is exhausting when you learn. It's always exhausting. There's something about just, just dumping everything you have. It's different than any other kind of communication. Like I communicate in a lot of different forums. Yeah. Like, it's funny because new preachers will preach a sermon and they'll go home and take a three-hour nap. And they're like, what that. the heck? I've talked in front of people before, but this is a, this is a different. It, it is a different emotional, psychological, spiritual weight. It's very hard to explain. Um, then when they do two services at Village oh, Church, I can
1: only imagine.
0: Like they can barely function by the end of their second sermon, and yeah. it's actually interesting because when we eval, we yeah. begin to see them trail off at the end of sermon two. They're just toast. So like these guys who preach four or five sermons a week have built up incredible stamina, and they're usually doing shorter messages. Um, I say all that because. Because it is, um, it is uh, exhausting to learn how to preach. You put everything out there, mm-hmm. uh, even if you're putting out broken parts of your heart, and um, and so yeah, you know it's just a it is a challenging, challenging medium because it is your community, mm-hmm. it is psychological, it is communal, mm-hmm. it is experiential, it is your identity, even though it shouldn't be. So there's a lot that goes into this, and so as we think about all of these things. Um, I just want to be really sensitive to every preacher and everybody listening that it takes a long, long time for a dude to get in the pulpit and to learn to just be themselves.
1: Can you answer how many years do you think that that's taken you?
0: Okay. So I have been publicly teaching for 21 years now.
1: I didn't even know you were this old, but keep going.
0: I'm 40. I started teaching. I'm not 40. I'm (laughs) going to be 40 this year, but like 19 years old is when I started teaching, technically 18. Okay. And preaching pushed it to a whole new level of Mm. struggle. Yeah. So I learned how to be authentically me in about five years in smaller group settings wow. with students and college students. Yeah. Preaching was a whole nother bag. Totally. So yeah. for me, like there's this evolution. I can listen to my sermons. In my early 20s, I was trying to be John Piper. Oh. In my mid-20s, mid 20s, yeah. mid to late 20s, um, I was starting to figure out who I was, but I still mm. had so much to prove mm. um, because I was still in my 20s, still insecure, still trying to figure myself out, figuring out my rhythms, um, getting really a lot of negative feedback. And a lot of positive feedback, and not really having the tools, to be honest, to know yeah. which to listen to, what to change. Right. Um, it was my early thirties where um, I I was now you know preaching regularly for five years, and I think
1: mm, the thirties are where it's at. But, yeah. Yeah.
0: I think so. I can actually put sermon series in place. Yeah. Um, I did a series on the kings of Israel. It lasted about a year, year and a half, and that was the first series where I was like getting comfortable. Uh, Then I jumped into Song of Solomon and the book of Ephesians. And I would say that was probably the first time that I moved past, I would say, 80% of the hurdles that stood between me at the pulpit and just being like myself, you know. And now I would say I'm like 90% kind of there. I still Uh listen to myself and I'm like, hmm, interesting. Interesting. Who's that guy?
1: Interesting, like not
0: no. the whole sermon, but in parts yeah. of it, uh-huh. I still at times watch overcompensation, which is rooted in insecurity, yeah. or just flat out insecurity, um, or a lack of personal discipline. And so for me, all of these are I, I want to be secure, yeah. so that sin doesn't come out. You know, um, I want to be disciplined so that all of my confusing idiosyncrasies and weirdness mm-hmm. don't distract. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I would say like one of the things Chuck Swindoll said is, is uh, he hopes by the time he he was like late 70s when I heard him say this, but he said it was when he was in his like late 40s, early 50s that he kind of just became who he was. Oh, and it actually cool. wasn't till then yeah. that his platform exploded. Like people think of Chuck Swindoll as like always having like this public national mm-hmm. presence. Mm-hmm. But he articulated that the Lord had about 15, 10 to 15 years of preaching work in him and reps oh, until yeah. he was really ready because he was able to kind of just be authentically him. And this is what village churches had to put up with, by the way. Is I was 28 when I started preaching semi-regularly at the church, and they've had to just be patient as I learn to become who I am.
1: That's why I like this question, though, too, because people are in the middle of this. Yeah. Right. There's a, there's a patience process. I'm glad you pointed that out. So yep. All right, let's let, talk let's about, talk about the things. tones. Yeah. yeah.
0: Michael, we'll get to the point.
1: Now, I'm just excited. I love to hear your story. Then. All right.
0: So the first is the angry pastor and you'll notice the angry pastor because they yell like a lot, you know, and there's, there's, there's sorry, is that too much <laughs> for your ears? But there's, there's something in them that's irritated with their people.
1: Well, see, I had the nervous laugh because I don't know what to do with (laughs) (laughs) that.
0: But they're irritated with their people.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, Anger is rooted in unmet expectations. Mm -hmm. And like, honestly, they probably want their body to be someplace where they're not. Disappointment,
1: out of control. There's so much from, right? Right.
0: Yeah. And let's talk about the receivers of angry preaching. So Mm. there are some people and I, I would actually, I would pinpoint this down to brokenness in us mm. that loves to be yelled at. We love to be condescended. We love to be rebuked. Mm. Um, there was a girl who left Village Church and she went to another church. And um, I've known the pastor. He's a yelling, angry yelling pastor, whatever. And I was concerned for her, but she, she is was incredibly broken. Just, just a very mm. emotionally fragile young woman in her early twenties at the time, and. And I said, why, why do you want to go over there? I totally support you, but why? And she said, quote, every time he preaches, it's like he just rips my face off, end quote. And I thought to myself, hmm, you want that. Right. But when Jesus speaks to you, he doesn't, he doesn't rip your face like off. Yeah. And in that moment, I realized that there is there is like a level of self-condemnation that people feel like they deserve it. Mm. so like, here's a broken part of me when I
1: tell us I
0: will tell you <laughs> so there's this uh there's there's this dude who is the best trainer on the planet, like I think he's incredible, and we I
1: talk about health and fitness, we do a lot, yeah,
0: right, yeah, oh yeah, because I need to lose weight so <laughs> <laughs> so he. Gosh, I learned more about discipleship in a month or two with him, just Mm -hmm. training people, you know? But uh, he realized that I was motivated through deprecation. Yeah. And so he'd be like, let's go dad bod you're fat <laughs> come on he's like really is this what you're gonna do for your children you're gonna be dead by the time you're 50 let's get it going now i gave him permission to do this he, uh-huh. and he asked me he said are you like motivated by encouragement or like condemnation and i'm like oh definitely condemnation You know. and so when people are like you are terrible you are the worst i'm like i'm gonna do better it's broken i don't know where i have no idea my mom never did that to yeah, me my that's dad a future never did podcast
1: when we figure out the right question oh my goodness yes. totally right? yeah
0: but like I'm motivated by that. Yeah. And, but it's interesting because I'm a pastor, because I have kids, when I think about my kids going to the angry, angry preacher church, I'm like, Mm -hmm. no man Mm -hmm. will speak to you like that. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't have an issue with anger, Mm -hmm. but I have an issue with is angry preachers who are just angry all the time. And teachers. And teachers, right. Well, what happens then is you're allowed to, you're allowed to be angry sometimes. Like I should have permission every once in a while if there is an injustice to say, guys, I'm actually really angry about this, but totally. I use my anger on purpose, mm-hmm. not as a tool of manipulation to control you. So, right. It's
1: not the outpouring of your
0: heart. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I believe the angry pastor is inappropriate because it's not the anger, it's the it's the amount of constant anger that they use on a mm-hmm. weekly basis, mm-hmm. and it taps into brokenness. Yeah. Um, the second one is what I would call the condescending pastor. Um, usually these would be um, really, really smart Bible teachers, mm-hmm. and they just have this... Downtone, mm-hmm, you know, like mm-hmm. mm, you're adorable. If you just and they're always in the authoritative position. Yes. Always, they always have all the right answers. There's very little vulnerability. It's almost like a here we go again. But I, you know, so I I hear it um, particularly in um, in there's a crew of preachers in the uh, we talked about this in another podcast. But in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, that um, there's two kinds of preachers that really took off. There were the hardline, divisive Bible teachers, mm-hmm. which I won't name names, so I don't think that's appropriate. But then yeah. there were the exhorters, the David Jeremiah, the yeah. Chuck Swindoll, the Howard, Howard Hendricks, Hendricks. Yes. Yeah. And what's interesting is that these hardline, divisive, like they divided on not even like gospel issues or even secondary issues, Mm-mm, like tertiary, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. really who cares kind of issues. And there's something about this spirit in them that made them very condescending. And so I think there is some wisdom that we just need to learn that listen to the voice. And if you were sitting with them one-on-one, would you let them talk to you like this? Mm -hmm. We let leaders and spiritual leaders speak to us in a crowd in ways we would never permit them to speak to us in person. Right, which is weird. Right.
1: Why are we doing that?
0: I don't know. It's actually, it's been just a deep concern of mine as I listened to myself in the pulpit. When I preached, uh, it was years ago through the Minor Prophets, it was it was 11 months uh-huh. of dark preaching. Oh. And I actually got to a point in the middle, maybe, maybe two-thirds of the way through, where I thought, I don't think I'm loving very much because even though the content is difficult, mm. I'm actually relating to our people with a negative heart posture. And I, I really started to begin that the weight of the minor prophets, which is very hard just to get through, actually began to change how I was communicating with the church. And oh, so I no. had to like do kind of like a reset in my brain and just say, I need to re- actually repent of that. Mm. I don't even know so much publicly to the church. It wasn't like an intentional thing. Right, but A heart repent. Yeah. My heart needed to shift and I needed to like see what God had for them and good, you know, and even if I was going to correct, I had to shift my brain.
1: So I say with condescension, the opposite is considering others better than yourself.
0: Oh, yes. That's
1: like my favorite. Okay. So if you hear condescension or you hear it in yourself, I hear it in myself, like what you're talking about. And I have to go, nope, this person is better than Seuss. Like, so put them, put them up, lift them up with what I'm going to say instead of condescend them.
0: Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So Condescension, the root of it is uh, pride, mm-hmm. um, where you have to believe you're the best. Your identity yep. is, is being the best. Um, anyways, number three is the exhorting pastor, which actually I actually don't mind this. And we just, again, referenced this with uh, uh, David Jeremiah, Chuck Swindoll, Howard Hendricks. Mm-hmm. And I think the—I don't think this is inappropriate, actually. Um, yeah. It, it has an inappropriate twist to it. So let me tell you, I think those three guys are super appropriate. Yeah. and. And exhorters like that are always going to have a public ministry in a place in our hearts because we need to be exhorted. Yes. Barnabases, right? We just need Barnabases in our life. Mm -hmm. If you have the the joy to be shepherded under a Barnabas pastor, it's a rare gift. There are negative sides because oftentimes they don't really deal with as much hard stuff as they need to. Right. right? Let's be straight. Yeah. Um, But they're, but the doggone it, they minister to your soul and their nourishment, right? It's, it's powerful. Yep. Some people... Um, they take this to a level of, of um, gosh, I just I, I was just listening last night to a guy in our area because I was trying to get my head around what is it that irritates me so much about about this. Oh yeah. And it was like this almost desperate. Everything is pleading and oh, God, yeah. Like you're speaking out of desperation. Mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. instead, of, so encouragement actually can really move into this place of desperation. You Just got to be careful of that. Um, that's where it becomes inappropriate. Like I'm not desperate in the pulpit. I have the spirit of God in me and in them. And mm-hmm. even if he's not in them, he's bigger than them. And right. there isn't a desperation here. There can be a pleading, but desperation and pleading is a weird dynamic. Um, the fourth one is the professional pastor. And there are some denominations, particularly in the more reformed community that require this. I actually don't think this is so much inappropriate. You, But if you take it out of its context, right. it doesn't land in other you contexts. St- well.
1: I like this as well, but you can yep. start to make it a legalism thing.
0: Right. Like, yeah. Like oftentimes there's... The only personal illustrations will be like factual. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're almost almost always one to one analogies and not vulnerability, yes, that's the struggle with it. Yeah. yeah, and their diction and their pacing. It's perfect. And every sermon is the same in terms right. of like there aren't a lot of dynamics. It's yep. all v- it's all very professional.
1: It's appropriate. Yeah. Even the jokes they tell are rehearsed and you can tell that they're planned for the group and they don't always land either. Right.
0: And I don't have an, again, I don't have an issue with the professional pastor. I have an, I have a concern for two things. When they leave that context and go to a different one, I don't sense they always land. Mm -hmm. But number two is I want to tell the professional pastor in this place and time, authenticity is the new authority. So lean into that. Right. And be yourself.
1: And we just addressed that in the previous podcast, part one of this. So go back
0: and listen to it. So then there is the trite pastor. This is number five. The trite pastor, gosh, forgive me, everybody, but I'm going to be. Tell us. All right. It's like, okay, so long time ago, I'll tell you a story. Long time ago. Me and two buddies, we would, uh, we go for walks every week and, um, love both of them. They're incredible. And uh-huh. so one of the dudes was at a uh, mainline denominational church. Uh huh. He didn't really believe everything, but that's where he was at. He was a youth pastor, you know, early, mid twenties, just trying to figure himself out. And he said, guys, pray for me. You know, I'm preaching a sermon and we're like, oh, cool. It's his first one. He's super excited and it took him all week to prepare. And, yeah. And, uh, so the next week, you know, he came back and, and, uh, and I, and I said, how'd it go? And he goes, oh man, that was so hard, whatever. And uh, and so he was talking about it. I'm like, man, like I totally understand preaching your first sermon. Yeah. And so then I went online and listened to it. It was seven minutes long. What? It was a homily. It was like, I was like, what? And so I listened to it and then I sent it to my other buddy. I'm like, what do you say to this? <laughs> like seven minutes is the introduction to my introduction, right? right? It's oh, my yeah. prayer and introduction. I'm done. I got nothing, oh, my you know? Oh goodness. And so like, I call it the trite pastor because they're just in this context in this community where saying nothing is appropriate. Oh. You know, like there's just nothing to say. And they'll read a scripture and they'll give a short little blurby story about making you feel good. And then they'll give you a moralistic command. Ugh. And um, I, I think, though, with the trite pastor is, is just this emptiness.
1: Yeah. I always say you know? that there's no depth there. Right. If you can't really draw something out. But yeah. was he given more time? I you mean, I'm what? so confused if he was told you have seven minutes we to share a devotional thought. That's a devotional oh, no. thought Right. To me. This is
0: all their sermons. Yeah. This, this is, is all their wow. sermons. You know?
1: Yeah. So, but I say that though is because— That was condescending of me, by the way, in my tone.
0: Uh, yeah. I, I think it might have yeah. deserved it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going you know, <laughs> like, but like uh, what happened in his tone is it was very motherly. Oh my. You know what I mean? It was just—I call it the trite pastor because there's no substance. There's just all trite things— Uh, And and again, again, I got to tell you about this guy. So this guy left there and is now an incredible preacher, has grown a ton. He's out of that context. Does he get more than seven minutes? Oh, yeah. Really? He's like like not in that world anymore. Oh, that's so cool. this is 15 years ago. You know what I mean? So like he was just a long time ago, whatever. So just to give that guy a lot of credit. He's a great man, rose above that and uh, got out of that place fairly quickly. I think we started to see what was going on where he was at. Right. And we started to say You should go somewhere else. Yeah. Last one. Last one. And this is me. I'm going to be honest. Like I have, there is some of me in all of this. Okay. Probably not the trite pastor because that's not how I'm wired. Right. Um, I mean, we can't get a podcast less than seven minutes, but go ahead. Yeah. That's also true. (laughs) Uh, So I want to be clear. In five of the six, I've heard the negative sides of these come out of me and they still do. And I'm trying to work on that. That's again, hard issues, trying Mm -hmm, to work through all that. mm -hmm. The immature pastor, number seven, (laughs) that's me. Like, okay. So people, I throw them off. Because I am as serious as I am stupid all in a 30-second period. Like, I'll be like, listen, repent before God. Let me tell you a story about me on the toilet. <laughs> you know, like, I and know. people are like, whoa, shocking. They and don't know comms, what to do with our it.
1: Our comms girl is like, Michael, don't do that in the second sermon.
0: Oh, yeah. Vicky, Vicky's I'm like, so grateful for her. He's such a PR nightmare. Yeah. He is. Yep. You
1: know? <laughs> oh, <laughs> and you're like, okay, I hear I'm you. I'm like, I gotcha.
0: Yeah. So, in a uh, true story. So, two Sundays ago, we were talking about building rhythms into your life for Bible study. Yep. So the first service I get up and I'm like, and I'm talking about redeeming spaces and I'm like, yeah, listen, every time I go to the bathroom, I pull yep. out my Bible and I read I'm it. When I'm going to the bathroom you said Cause I'm cause regular. Cause I'm regular. Yeah. Something like that. Cause yeah. I was talking about regular rhythms, know. you know, and that's a regular rhythm. I
1: thought that was a good point. But... Right.
0: So she comes up to me and she's like, well, she texted me actually. And she's yeah. like, yeah appreciated it i probably would like leave some of the detail out you know because right. i was painting a, a pretty vivid picture of oh, me yeah. on, the, on the bathroom toilet you absolutely know? so in second service i shifted it i edited i said it i'm so proud but of i you. didn't give the visual of me going to the bathroom in the middle of a sermon
1: right but now you are in this podcast so anybody who we're yep. not in the was pulpit the so absolutely. everything's fair oh, game right okay yeah, yeah. It's, it's all this is why we good. depend on dan
0: yes yep, yep. But uh, um, even this Sunday, I'm at the time of recording uh, is January twenty seventh at twelve seventeen p.m. But so yesterday, yeah, my whole point was the difference between duty and generosity. So in the first service, uh, yep. I, 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 I was I, there. I'm like, okay, listen, okay, for all you seven year olds, it's spelled D U T Y, and I I kind of prolonged it a little bit, you, you know. But you you
1: kind of you kind of called it out. Like, I called it out. Get your mind out of the gutter. Yeah. So I thought, oh. He's being serious. Yeah.
0: But well, then... Yeah, I laughed a lot and a I made fun of it. A little while later. Yeah, yeah, you
1: kept referencing it.
0: Correct, because I'm a child. Now, because you're you're an immature, <laughs> I'm pastor, an immature pastor, this guy you're talking about. But second service, which is the one that got aired, I, at the beginning I said, listen, for all you seven-year-olds, let me spell the word for you. D-U-T-Y. Now, if you smirk, I understand. I will too. But I'm going to say this thing over like a hundred times. We good? Yep. Yeah. And then I didn't bring it up again Aww. because I learned...
1: I'm so proud of you. Don't be immature, Michael. So this the point of this is come to the nine because Michael's still going to... He's going to... For real.
0: The nine you is, know, is... That's going to be real, Michael. People say that the nine is prep is like factors for the 11 or whatever. Kind of. Oh, no. Oh, no. I, maybe for worship team, they, they're oh. so good. I, there's not even really a big difference to me, but nine is probably the most off the cuff me. Yes. You know? Yep. It's where I make the most amount of like PR mistakes.
1: Right. But if you want the edits...
0: If you want the Come edits, to the go 11. to the 11. Come to the 11. Yeah. Like, I cut out seven whole minutes of my sermon.
1: Wow. Uh, I went you through this Ezekiel all the tra- passage. all the trite stuff? I'm just no, kidding.
0: It was funny. But anyways, the immature pastor, though, um, honestly, like, this is—Enneagram 7 struggle with this. Mm. You know, we are fun and lighthearted, and we say what we think, and yeah. it's not always clean and whatever. Right. And so, just realizing that, like, that's got to be reined in. And uh, sometimes my inappropriateness or my off-the-cuffness is actually a distraction. Mm-hmm. It draws way more attention to things that don't need attention. Yes. Uh, there's a million things that I could draw attention to, and and so I've learned in the last 20 years to not call attention to stupid things. But I'm not the only guy. Uh, right. I think the immature pastor, most churches don't put up with them. Yeah. Village put up with me for a lot longer to allow me to get most of that out of me,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you don't hear them as much simply because they're, they usually don't make it.
1: They're not. Yeah. They usually the shoot place. themselves
0: in the foot before yeah. they really get to I appreciate you your authenticity
1: in telling us that. So there we go. Yeah. Super exciting podcast. Part two. If you didn't hear part one, again, go back so you can hear Michael address inappropriate tone in pastors. But next time, Michael, I'm excited about this question. Pastor Michael, I disagree with something you said in your sermon. How should I approach this?